Hey guys, welcome to another episode of the Posting and Toasting Show. I'm Drew. Schwinn's here. What up, Schwinn? What up, what up, what up? And today we are going to talk about the past two games with the Nets and the Spurs. And we are also going to do an amazing preview of tonight's game because we are recording on a Saturday morning, afternoon-ish sort of time. And to help us go... Saturday brunch. Yeah, Saturday brunch. We're, we have our mimosas, our Bloody Marys. Um, our weed. Our weed, all that stuff to make brunch <laughs> as as wonderful as possible. And to join us, we have, I think, Schwinn, is he a enemy, frenemy? What is our, our guest today? I think he's a frenemy of the show, right? He's like a, he's like a hate fuck of the show. <laughs> okay, that's, yeah, that's a good way to, uh, that's a good way to describe him. It's perfect. Uh, um, you maybe still know him as a contributor for Nick's films and posting and toasting. We know him as the guy who annoys the shit out of us in our Slack every single day. Um, please welcome to the show, Zach Deluzio, AKA Wackaroach. What up, Wack? Hey, what's up, boy? What a glorious intro. Thank you for those high compliments. I really appreciate it. You guys are great. Emphasis on high. <laughs> Real <laughs> emphasis on that one. Yeah, we definitely like to set the bar really high for our guests. We want to know. We want to let our, you know, our fans listening understand like the type of people we surround ourselves with, and <laughs> always the cream of the crop of uh of guests. Definitely, as uh, these are the like illustrious guests of our our show. So. We're gonna. You want to start off with the Nets game, right? Want to just get that in and out of the way because that was a uh, that was a frustrating loss. Yeah, yeah, it was frustrating. Um, but I, I don't know. I like. I really don't want to just start off talking about like everything that sucked about that game because we're inevitably gonna get to that anyway. Yeah, um, we'll get to that. So let's yeah. let's talk about some of the positive things that we saw in the game. I'm gonna throw out one right away. R.J. Barrett again. Um, I'm just going to read his stat line um, right now for us. He had 16 points on 16 shots, which is, you know, not the greatest. But again, something I mentioned before in our last podcast, I'm not really worried about RJ's efficiency as a rookie at the moment. But he was two for four from three. He had three rebounds, three assists, six steals. But he did give up five turnovers. But some of those turnovers weren't necessarily like bad pass turnovers. They were mainly travels and whatnot. But. Yo, was it just me or were they being like really fucking overly aggressive about calling travels yesterday? It, yes. Oh, it was everything. It was everything. And so many, it was both sides too. Like some yeah. of the players weren't traveling either. And it's like, guys, come on. Like, okay, he shuffled the pivot foot maybe a little bit. Let's let's calm down. Let the flow of the game happen. It really, the fourth quarter was, a, it was, there was like six consecutive turnovers <laughs> on travels and illegal screens. It was just like, oh my God. We need to play the game. Let's get yeah. it moving. Yeah, that was – it was just getting so annoying because at some point I'm just like, all right, like if it's not egregious, can we just kind of let it go? Like I don't know. They called Trier on a travel too, but he literally took two steps, and I was like, this is getting out of control because you're not – because you can do that. Well, yeah, they, 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 right? yeah, they, they called it on that jump step, right? And I was just like, yeah. that's not a travel. I mean – I guess like technically it's a travel, but they never call that shit. No, they think they it's never call that shit. Isn't it a travel when you do the jump step and pass, right? It's if you do the jump stop and a shot. No, I think if you if you jump stop and the land on two feet at the same time, it's fine. But if you do the one two, I think that I think that's it's the rule. I'm not hundred percent sure. No, it is. It's technically a travel if you do that. But like they never call that shit. No, they really don't they call, call that, that shit. shit. And like it'd be different if he did the jump step 
and then didn't go up immediately or like didn't pass. He literally immediately went up. Yeah, that's that's why the call is just so, ridiculous. So like, like I just thought that was stupid. It's like that's like over official. Like I mean, you can call. They say this about if you you can do this with football too. But it's like on any play you can call a foul. You can call a violation if you really want to. You can on any single play down the down the court. You can like guess what? No one fucking wants to watch zebras fucking work on their hand signals. Get the fuck out of here with that shit. No, I'm completely with you. It was throwing me out of the game. Like every everything was a foul, and like ha- between both teams, I really didn't think some of the calls that they were making were like that bad. Like the Nets were getting shitted on, the Knicks were getting shitting on. It's just like, like yeah, six turnovers. I like it was a sloppy game, even a, but like I would guess that at least nine to ten for each team were like these travel calls. Oh, um, or or like I mean some of the moving picks too, like. Jesus, man. One of the the one of the ones on Mitch that was actually Morris's fault because he like went back and forth on the on the pick like five times. And eventually they were like, look, like we have to call this now. Yeah. <laughs> like, but they were calling the stuff that people usually get away with, like where you right. pretend you're rolling to the rim, but really it's a screen like they let people argument, get away with right? that all the time. Yeah, I don't know. I don't even remember. It was multiple times on both teams. It was just like these are things that happen in every single game every night. That's how the Warriors just make championships, go. right? You know what it is? It's like it, they always do this shit for like the first two weeks where they have their stupid point of emphasis That's crap, true. and yeah. then like after, at some point in November, they're like, "Yeah, okay, we're good." Like, yeah, remember the delay of game shit? Do you remember that? Oh when my they god, yeah. Start pushing that now. They don't care at all. They don't care at all. See, like, my, but the thing that really bothers me is like they talk about all this point of emphasis shit. The one that I actually wish they would emphasize and like focus on is. The bullshit fouls on three-point shooters. Like Dinwiddie had one yesterday on Trier. Yeah, the one Dinwiddie that he got falls on. down every single time he shoots a three. It's absurd. Yeah. I hate that guy. If he, I want his fucking <laughs> Dinwiddie currency to fail and go bankrupt so badly because he's such an annoying douche. Like he compared himself to Colin Kaepernick. Are you fucking kidding me? Wait, really? Yeah, he did. <laughs> he compared himself, he compared <laughs> what he's doing to Colin Kaepernick. It's like you are trying to monetize capital to make money for yourself. That's actually what you're doing. Colin Kaepernick sacrificed a His fucking career. career in the in football. Like even if all you think Colin Kaepernick could be was a backup, backup quarterbacks make bank. They make yeah. bank. It's like the one backup position in football where you make legit money. And it's also probably uh, the best position in sports, right? The idea of like you're not going to play and you're getting paid a couple million bucks a year. Like it more is more than a couple million now. Like a good backup gets paid. I think like what like Matt Bar. I mean not Matt. Like the, the Eagles were paying like Foles legit money for a while. Oh really? Uh, I mean I don't I don't follow football. Chase, so. Chase Daniels has made like crazy yeah, you could, money. You could it? probably get like five to eight million dollars a year as a backup quarterback. Really? Easily? Oh yeah. Wow. That's a lot of money. <laughs> yeah. Especially dude. like like the best thing you know when you'd have guys like Eli or Peyton rest in peace Eli who's still alive but not really uh, Peyton like Br- like Brady like these guys that never get hurt. It that is the best backup position to have. It's the best backup position to have. Yeah, I'm with you. Imagine. Yeah, so we definitely got a uh, off track here because we were supposed to <laughs> praise. Well, that's RJ right. Barrett. We're talking about RJ Barrett. I'm yeah, sure. So we were talking about RJ. Um, I just want to say these past two games have been absolutely wonderful watching him play. I his defense. I think I just really want to. I want to emphasize this. His defense has been very good like i'm not even saying like it's not even like passable or anything just like as the 19 year old 
going up against like legitimate competition now he's been very good like he's forcing turnovers he's doing so many of the little things he's reading the passing lanes and i the knicks really i don't i don't want to say like the third pick in the draft is a steal but like we the knicks could have easily ended up with like john morant when you, yeah, when you watch John Morant shitting the bed the first year, I mean, look, it's not even a crisis. I'm not even saying that it's. A crisis. Yeah, no, it's not definitely not a crisis. It's just it's, more of like it's just like it. You know that if RJ was in, let's say the Knicks had the second pick and Memphis had the third pick, right? Mm-hmm. If the Knicks had drafted John Morant and he played exactly how he's played the first two games, and Memphis had RJ and he played exactly how he's played the first two games, there'd be so much more attention on it. There'd mm-hmm. be so much more attention on it. Um, and just like whatever, I don't even want to like talk about John Morant who basically shit the bed last night but rj like his on-ball defense has been really good but it's like it's the it's the things that rookies struggle with that he's doing a good job at that he showed no sign of yes like showed no sign of this stuff at duke which you know like again coach k is clearly just washed and not trying at this point (laughs) but like his off-ball defense he was he got like two steals yesterday just having the awareness to like play like Clyde always talks about this, right? See the ball, see your man. That's like literally yeah. what he was doing. Yeah, just hands playing out. The off, yeah, hands out on the off-ball cutter, knocking the ball loose a couple of times. Uh, like got two steals that way. I mean, he's just doing small things like that that are so good. Like his, he's really, really good at like slinking over screens and like yeah. staying attached really to his man. Yeah, he's long. He yeah. can bother guys. He was bothering Irving a little bit. He was not letting Irving get by him. He doesn't commit stupid fouls either. No, like he's, he's, he had four yesterday, but I mean, considering that he is, he played what at least half the game as like the primary ball handler. Uh, so in that time, also was defending the primary ball handler, aka Kyrie Irving. Um, like to only have four fouls, and I don't think any of them. I I don't remember any of his fouls so far yet being of the fouling closing out a shooter thing he's actually really good about staying on his feet when closing out on shooters Um, yeah and i think what's what's really great about that is if you reframe the rj draft pick with what we know now being he's a great defender so far and not great for a rookie he is possibly the best defender on the team who is playing rotation minutes right now which is crazy but if you reframe it like that you're talking about a guy who's six foot seven wing strong can switch one to four and this is exactly where the league is going where you need these guys like that and you can see that when they had morris and randall and RJ all in there, and they were kind of switching a lot of these actions that their defense tightened up so much just because RJ is not like this. Yeah. Yeah. Sieve. Well, when, yeah. when you can have like, when you have two wings that can. So, like, what I noticed in the second half, like, two things that they did that really, really tightened up the defense. One was like the big started showing way higher on the pick and roll. They were actually getting level with the screen. So, like, mm-hmm. the, the ball handler wasn't. He didn't have like a downhill head of steam to get to the rim, but then he also like they were doing a way better job of cutting off the pass to the roll man or like the lob pass. Mm-hmm. Um, so that that tightened up a lot. And then also like, you know, to what you're speaking about, having the two wings like they were basically playing two wings the entire second half. Every lineup had two like switchable, maybe not maybe not necessarily great defenders, but switchable uh, perimeter defenders. So like all the off ball screens that was getting the Nets open threes in the first half. They were just switching them. They were it was so they were just switching them completely. And the net and like the thing is, the Nets even when they'd get the switch, they really didn't have 
a mismatch to just like throw the ball to a guy and have right. him attack, right? Like that makes such a big difference where it's like, you know, basically Knox was the worst defender for large, large swats that second half. But like because they were only even able to get the ball to his man with like maybe six, seven seconds left, you're not getting a quality shot out of that. It's still like, yeah, I mean, he's not a great defender. Obviously, that's his biggest weakness. But like if you're asking a guy, just look, attack Kevin Knox from the top of the key in ISO with six, seven seconds left on the shot clock. You know, there are only a handful of players in the league that are going to consistently create quality shots in that in that kind of situation. Yeah, so, it's just making it easier, too. You right. can rotate behind that to get to the – you can at least hit your first rotation. Then you're talking about there's one second on the shot clock. They're chucking a, a shot from a guy who may not want to take it. That's yeah. a way better situation than getting DeMar DeRozan on him with 15 seconds left on the shot clock where you could just cook him. Right, right. And, like, yeah. it's it just – you know, I mean, it's crazy because even to start the game, like, you know, you have RJ and Morrison that's turning lineup, but like for whatever reason, I mean, Alfred was just, I mean, he may as well have just been like dying, uh, like collapsing in a heap on every screen that was set because Jesus, he just kept getting caught in those nonstop. Like, it's like, look, man, if you're going to play this pressure defense while a guy brings the ball up the floor, you have to be aware that they're going to set a screen. I have a hard time. <laughs> like after three or four of them, like maybe on the first couple, you can blame the big for not calling it out. But after a while, just like, look, like you need somebody to hold your fucking hand here, you know, like be aware of this shit. And I didn't actually particularly think Mitch did a bad job. Like, I, I, I thought he had no chance with the way Alfred was playing defense and just the way in general, like we were not, you know, stopping penetration at all in the first half uh, from the point of attack. And it's like, like I said, like I, I'm not I don't think Mitch had a great game, but I don't think he played poorly either. He just kind of was the victim of circumstances in a lot of ways where it's like it was just like a nonstop. You know, if the first action didn't work, they're swinging it. A guy would come off the DHO right into the lane, full speed at him. Yeah, he was a little not kind of there, though. He was very floaty in that game. I didn't really notice him. Yeah, I mean, I I didn't either. But it's like I I don't know when I was watching it. I didn't think it was because he was playing poorly or he wasn't engaged. I just thought it was more like. I mean, he wasn't at his best, that's for sure, but. I didn't think he like I don't think Taj or definitely not Portis or Randall played noticeably better defense than him in the second half. I just think like I, I'm I am almost tempted to say that in our in the first half our strategy was to play drop coverage on the pick and roll. And then in yeah. the second half we came out and it was like you could tell that it was very much like real high. They were getting like thirty two feet from the basket, committing yeah. two guys to carry. Right, smart. exactly. It was, yeah, it was it was really Jared smart. Allen could not make a fucking play on the short roll at Dude, all. He, he was, couldn't do anything. He was terrible last night. Yeah, like, he was not I looked at his at box all. score and it wasn't as bad as I thought. He uh, did like, nothing. What was his he, box he only, score? He only got credited with two turnovers, which like There's I, no, I, how was that possible? They they must have been crediting it to the ball handlers because Levert ended up with six, Kyrie ended up with four, and Dinwiddie ended up with four. Um so they must have oh. been crediting it crediting it to them, so. but I thought he was fucking terror like legitimately laughably bad yes okay so here's uh alan's box score just so uh so zach knows it was four points on two of six shooting 11 rebounds two assists two turnovers one steal no blocks i again i that kind of makes sense like he just wasn't good like yeah he was getting rebounds because the knicks were missing so many shots but he really did absolutely nothing he hit him yeah those two turnovers there's no way that's uh that could be that could be fair 
Yeah, and, and, and the other part of the rebounding thing is like, you know, this has been a theme now for both games, but it's like when you struggle to contain, contain dribble penetration, you're going to give up offensive rebounds. You just It doesn't matter who you have on the yeah. floor. You're going to give up offensive rebounds because you're they're just, like the first half, it literally was like they were chasing shadows. They were just a, like they, they were so late. They, they just they were a step behind the entire time. Right. Like and then in the second half, you watch it and they're on a string. Like they were on a string in the second half. And I don't remember the Nets. I think maybe like DeAndre got a couple of offensive rebounds, but like it was it was a night and day difference. Um but like, yeah, I mean I didn't I looked at the box score and we got rebound out rebounded by seven, but like I didn't I, I kind of just uh when I went back and just like thought about it, it would just always seem to me like that was more about a you know, a defensive issue from like the point of attack rather than we're not boxing out or guys just aren't putting in the effort yeah. less. No, sure. I completely agree. And a lot of that point of attack defense in the second half came from Barrett. Like Barrett yeah. was the one just like stepping up and doing this. And it kind of brings, I think brings us to a point where we kind of need to discuss the um, discuss this is that um, Dennis Smith came in as the guard off the, <laughs> off the bench so we're going to negatives, right? <laughs> yeah, I think this is about okay. to get ugly. Okay, so before, okay, so let's just, I do want to at least briefly mention that um, that Trier did play a very good game, and it's something I hit on a, before, I think it was last week or it could have been two weeks ago, is the idea of like, tr- when Trier is scoring efficiently, he's very good and he should be playing. But the problem is he, we don't know when these games are coming from Trier and he only provides like this efficient scoring. And I do think that's a, a very frustrating yeah. thing to watch. Cause like you need to have him like, he needs to be involved. He need to kind of have the offense based around him. And he kind of saw that in the, uh, the first half where like he kind of kept the Knicks relatively in the game, but like the yeah. offense went really stagnant. The cost because, of the entire offense. Yeah, exactly. So it's so, just like, it's I mean, one of, is it really that is it really that hard to manage though? Like, I mean, it was annoying to watch Fizz start him in the first game, but like, isn't both these games basically what you do with Trier? Like, he didn't have it in the first game, immediately gets pulled. Had it in the second game, okay, kid. Like, let him go. Yeah, let him go. Like, I, I, to me, yeah. like that's that's the be- like my my concern is that because Trier had a good game. That now Fizz is going to be like, oh, no, I have to give him 25 a night now. He has to play 25 minutes a night. And it's like, no, 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 no. Trier needs to play minutes according to how he is actually playing on on a given night. And, like, the Nets were a great matchup for him because their perimeter defenders are fucking butt juice. They're awful. Um, So, like, that was a perfect matchup for him. Um, And it's like, I guess my, my, my problem with Trier is, like, Maybe I, I would probably feel so much better about him if I felt better about Fizdale as a coach, because it's like if I trusted if you gave Pop Trier, right, like you would trust Pop to just use him perfectly, right? right. Like that mm-hmm. you would know like he would be like, you know, people act like Pop is, is like, like some anti ISO like, you know, psycho, but like all they do is ISO um, and he would <laughs> yeah, he really would, do. And like he would clearly understand what this guy's value is and be like, okay, this is fine. Um, Like one thing is I'm terrified about is that the point Zoe thing worked last night because the Nets suck on defense. Like that is not, it's not going to work, man. Like did not, I don't think it worked at all. I mean, Uh, yeah, I think 
They treaded water though in those minutes. Yeah, right? but it was like so ble- it was just him cooking guys, which you could do at any position. It had nothing to right. do with him at point guard. And in fact, it was terrible when he was at point guard. So I, I think it's interesting with Trier in particular because on the one hand, you're absolutely right. Like what he is is an ISO scorer who's going to score really well and do it efficiently on some nights and take bad shots on other nights. And you can just play around that. But on the other hand, he's still a young guy and they clearly have an emphasis on wanting him to pass the ball and make plays off ball, which you can see, you can see that they're calling off ball plays for him. And he's still doing that dumb shit because he always takes like, I don't know what to really call it. It's almost like a, a setup dribble where mm. he gets the ball off a screen and takes one dribble, but he's not going anywhere. It's he's just staying there. Yeah, it's exactly. He takes one dribble, and then you lose the advantage that you created by him going off the screens. And I can see that's what they're trying to do is get him like, okay, Alonzo, you're going to come off these screens, and you're going to go right to the basket. But he hesitates, and it's just like his instinct right now. So I can see they're trying to hone it out of him. And I know they want him to pass. He actually made one really great pass, I think, to RJ. I don't remember, to a corner three or something like that. Yeah, it was RJ. It was RJ. Yeah, that was beautiful. But it's like, what do you do? You you try to get him those reps, but if he fucks it up, it looks hideous. But, but, but you like, don't get him those that's reps. That's perfect, though. It's perfect, though, because like that's why they have Ellington. Like They basically want him to play more like Ellington, right? He yeah. should play like right. Ellington because he's and, be much and, better. Yeah, but like I think it's frustrating. Mean, I mean, this is probably just like, me getting annoyed in the moment like i agree with you they are clearly trying to like change his shot like not just to yeah his shot distribution essentially like how he's getting shots they're definitely trying to change it for the better um but like the guy has played one way his entire career so um like that's that's tough that's a very very hard adjustment to make we've seen i mean how like how many players have we seen struggle to make that adjustment over the years so many um so it's really hard but like to his credit, I mean, look, he took seven shots yesterday. Four of them were threes, uh, mm-hmm. and he got to the line eleven times. So, like, he's getting to the rim a bunch. Um, like, he, he, I think he only took like two mid rangers yesterday. And they were good mid rangers too. Yeah, they were Yeah, and like he's a good mid range shooter, so you don't want to like take. I mean, look, the the thing is, he legitimately has three level scoring talent. Yeah. Um, and I, I get. I, I'm like probably the biggest hypocrite with him because I've like I have repeatedly said in various forums like I think isolation scoring, just the ability to create for yourself is the single greatest skill in basketball. It's the it's the hardest one to find and and to develop. And like he has that in spades. But at the same time, I just fucking hate watching how he plays sometimes. Where you're like, oh my god. Oh yeah. It's just it's it's literally like Trier plus four. <laughs> and yeah. It's it's just brutal to watch sometimes, but you know, I guess I maybe just need to like live with it and be like, okay, he's 23, like he's not sold, he can't change, and maintain my skepticism, but not let my skepticism like override the fact that like there is value to that, and he's not sold. He's not like 28, right? Like then you'd yeah. be like, okay, this guy's fucking right. Nice. Um, but it yeah, would be better if he was defending or doing other things more like i think that's kind of where i'm at with him. i think he tries on defense i just don't think he's good well that's kind of the thing though right it's just like yeah that's great that he's trying but like he's really not that good so he's not really providing you much on that end um passing is really hit or miss with him because he can pass it's not like we haven't like we've seen him pass the ball he's really good he was probably the best person throwing alley-oops to uh, mitch last year so like we know he can pass it's just 
he just really needs to kind of mix up the playing style. I think that's really what it comes down to, because if he was if he was committed to coming off screens like Ellington comes off screens and he, either he pulls up or he attacks the rim, I don't think we would be complaining that much about Trier, right? The idea if he like diversified his game in a way that he was doing other things other than just he has the ball, he's going to create and kind of go from there. I think that's really the fundamental issue is with him, right? Mm-hmm. I think that's, that's probably the best way I could describe it because he's not providing – uh, value on the defensive end so he can at least be diverse on the offensive end and he's working on it hopefully and he does change it but it's still very frustrating yeah. okay can we talk about Knox? oh yeah yeah let's talk about Knox. he um i just want to say i thought Knox was great for his specific role um Me too. he i did he was okay on defense which is a huge upgrade from being a complete disaster um there's I think progress that, on defense like he's yeah. not good he's a bad defender don't get, yes. like he's still a bad defender but he's less like holy fucking shit this he he's was less, yeah he, he was so bad last year. Yeah, like, he, like he actually knows what he's supposed to be doing most of the time now he just sucks at doing it but like that's like that's genuine progress i'm not even trying to undersell that like that's that it's like you're a step away man you're a step away from actually kind of holding your own on defense now like yeah you, you you can he can be the worst defender now in five-man lineups and like it is that, that awful yeah and like that won't totally sink you yeah because he uh, can also rebound and push the ball in transition so at least he can do provide some sort of value he's really good at that he's when he gets gone in transition he's kind of like a handful you know like he goes around people he's an athlete man he gets up there it's fun to watch it's just he he kind of has this like the way he runs though i think is kind of why he struggles sometimes to finish because he like if you watch him he's like kind of like leaning forward yeah, he's mm-hmm. hunched yeah yeah so it, almost, it always looks like he's about he's still in his like little he's not like a baby giraffe anymore it's like an adolescent <laughs> giraffe yeah you know, adolescent giraffe um and i think you know i think in the next year or two we'll get to adult fully mature giraffe giraffe and it's gonna be great but like dude that three-point shot was oh, oh my god dude, I could, it's beautiful yeah yeah the it's, arc on that yesterday i don't know like i i it i don't remember the arc on it being that good in preseason but like the first two games against it it looks like that thing is looks never wet missing. yeah that thing is never missing it that is that corner three he hit was oh my god ridiculous the guy, was, remember, ridiculous. was it nawaba that was on him because like whoever yeah, it was was like i think right so. in his grill right yeah, in he his just grill. drilled it and it's he's like falling back no like, problem he's so tall that's it like oh my god he's like he literally is richard lewis 2.0 that is yeah. the link he needs to fill and like i don't maybe people forget like richard lewis was a legitimate really good all-star player at one point in the west uh i think he was like 20 and 8 maybe at one year uh and i mean he was huge for those orlando teams right? like that type of stretch four is i mean yeah like that's let's go with that i'm if if you get that with a ninth pick overall you're doing you're doing the lord's work yeah and the thing is for him we know that so the offense is getting better defense i think you have to give these guys a lot of time like you said there's a little bit of improvement that's fine the kid is so young like we have to give him honestly i think like three or four years before you start expecting real have you looked at his drapm though (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> i have i have literally never for anyone literally never uh, I, 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 I should think i should uh, i should look into it um and see what it is right now but 
It's definitely not that good. <laughs> wait but ten okay. games, please, please at least wait ten. No, games. I want to do. I want to know what the. <laughs> I want to know the plus minuses right now on only was it barely forty minutes of playing time, <laughs> but that's yeah. what I want. Did, did I tell you I saw a fucking Andy Bailey tweet some shit? I don't. Remember, it might not have been Andy Bailey. It was some. Of course, of course, can it's just, from jazz. Can we just, it's, can we just it's say it's jazz. Andy Bailey? Sure, but it was. It's, <laughs> clearly, it's fucking jazz Twitter who were like. You know, you want to see homers. There are no homers like Jazz Twitter. Uh, yeah. It was like after the first game of the season, it was like, oh, yeah, Donovan Mitchell shot this percent from short mid-range and this percent from long <laughs> mid-range last year. In this game, he went three of four from short mid-range and two or three from long mid-range. Oh. That could really open his game up. I'm like, oh, really? Fucking uh, really? That could open this his game is, up? Well, so here's the thing. Kevin Knox shooting 80% from three. That's going to really open his yeah. game up, too. <laughs> like, he looks like a 40% three-point shooter. Like, that's... Yeah, on good that, volume. Yeah. That, it's Gotta absurd. get him he, more shots. Gotta get him more shots. Dude, he didn't have a shot. So, like, I mean, I'm, I'm sure we're going to dive into Fizdale shortly. But, like, he didn't have a shot in the final eight minutes of the game. That's unacceptable. That's un- He had just hit, like, three ridiculous threes. Absolute bombs. Like... Like that corner, like again, that I mean, that corner three was just I could watch that on repeat for the rest of my life. Yeah, that so Steve, right? So and that, and that drive, he had that, he had a really that was beautiful. That, that's that's where you can see that, you know, like again, like I still think when he drives, he sometimes doesn't fully trust his body and like shies away from contact. But he had one in the first half where he short, he like, he he cut off his own angle on it and and like what came off the front front rim off the glass mm-hmm. um but like you can like that move you can he would not have been able to make that in a million years last, last no season. not at all like it would never have happened because he went straight through it probably should have if he had any respect from the refs it would have been an and one even though it wasn't really a foul um but yeah i mean that was like he he, he turned the corner and there was no there was no like he wasn't trying to be clever or finesse it he was just like nope Going straight through you, yep. DJ. You overrated four, four-year, forty million dollar bump. <laughs> God, he was. God. So I will say before we really hammer uh, Fizdale, I will say it's been very nice, at least in the preseason and the, these two games, is that Knox is finally in a role that he should be playing, which is he's coming off the ball, he's sure. coming off screens, and he's not being relied upon to just be like creating offense yeah. for himself. And it's just, you, it's like such a night and day difference to see him already. He's coming off the ball. So he has these open shots and he's making them. And it's just like, that's the value that he's going to have to add as like this tertiary type of scorer. And if he's on fire, he's going to be making shots and that adds a lot of value. So it's just, it's really nice to see that he's finally in the role that he needs to be in. Even and, even made a, uh, an extra pass yesterday, like where he Morris. was, yeah, yeah, he, oh, he could have totally taken a three and he, cause he was, but he was like kind of contested, but it wouldn't have, it wouldn't have been a bad three, but he like, yeah, and he passed the Morris yeah, to get the better right three and Morris made, yeah, it was, like, it was wide open. It was such a good play and it was like so simple. He would not, he's have actually, it. he's a willing passer. He really does not. It's almost to his detriment. Like we talk, like we're going to go into with the, where he doesn't take a shot down the stretch of that game. Like he's he's almost too willing to defer, and I think that shows up in his passing sometimes too, which is good. But I want him to sometimes get you know get in there. Yeah, get I think in it's, that shit. I think it's about like leveraging. It's finding like the balance because yes, like last year it was. I mean, I I I always said last year that I didn't think that it was that he is an unwilling or bad like an unwilling passer. I just when you're asked to be a shot creator and he was. And you have to stare at the ball because your handle sucks. 
like you're just not going to be a good passer because Mm -hmm. you're not seeing the floor at all. And like you can see this year, his handle still isn't great, but it's better. And he can like he's you're seeing now that the same kind of like quick decision stuff that I saw at Kentucky where I was like, okay, this guy isn't a great passer, but he's not he's not, you know, he's not like steps. Yeah, he's not, he's, not, he's not slowing down your offense. He's not like breaking the entire flow of what you're doing, right? It was like quick decision stuff. Right. And you're seeing that, like, I think that's what you're talking about now, where it's like he's too willing of a passer in the sense that, like, he doesn't even necessarily see that he has an opening sometimes exactly. or that he has a mismatch. And he's just like making the right swing pass immediately. So, right. I mean, that's to me, like, give me that problem any day of the week yeah. or whatever other shit. So, that's like a good thing that we're seeing Knox in a good role. So now we're going to have to dive into the bad because this kind of carries over into the Spurs game as well. Is that so Smith was the first point guard off the bench. Yes. Here we go. He played four and a half minutes and was a minus eight. Wait, was it a four? Was that it? It was four and a half minutes. He played four and a half minutes. He got a shot. Got a shot. Got a shot up for a minute. Yeah, so he had he was 0 for 4, 0 for 1 from uh, three point range. He did get to the line twice. He no once. He uh, only made one shot. He had one assist, and I, I don't know if that's a foul. That's a in a block, and that's really it. That's really all he did. And I will say he looked slightly healthier this time than against the Spurs, but he clearly isn't healthy and he clearly isn't right. And he's in his own head. So bad. Like, yeah. yeah. Like get that, he get that three point shot. He passed up and then and like dribble in. Yeah. It dribbled into 20 footer. I was like, what? As soon as that left his hands, I was like, everybody just get back on defense. Like, Oh yeah. Just get back. <laughs> that, that shit is not going in, bro. Don't worry. And it's, it brings apart, brings up, no, not part. It brings up a larger issue kind of with this game is, the Nets clearly were getting tons of dribble penetration, and that was causing chaos pretty much everywhere. And that the you know the bigs have to focus now to help contain because the perimeter defenders aren't doing their job, and it just opens up the entire offense. That's why they had so many open threes. And you can you should be able to see that Smith isn't right. He's not healthy. He's in his own head. He shouldn't be playing. And and it just when you have these problems. Should be in. Like, yeah, he was bad against the Spurs, but like that shouldn't really matter. Like you, you have a clear issue of not being able to contain dribble penetration and Frank's you're just leaving Frank on your bench. And that was just really, really stupid. Like the entire like it just made no sense. Like luckily Barrett was able to help contain and steady the ship in the second half. But I mean, yes, you can't, so- you can't do that. Like that's just really bad coaching. Yeah, so I like I don't want to get into the Frank thing because like we could talk about this endlessly. Um, I am not a fan of I if if we're being completely honest, I understand why Alfred is starting right now. Uh, he played obviously the best out of all of them in the first game, and you know, cool, whatever. If that's how he wants to do it, that's how he wants to do it. I'm understanding of that to a degree. There, if there was a genuine competition, and like again with Alfred, I I can understand if he's like, look, he's a vet. He's probably half-assing in a preseason. I trust him. Okay, cool, whatever. Um, if there was a legitimate competition, there is no fucking way on earth you can convince me that Dennis Smith played better than Frank in the preseason. Okay. Um, it, there's nothing, like, no way. And I think it's really weird that Frank, yes, his shot did not go in in preseason, but I think it's really weird that like he had 
one of the better defense. I mean, he literally locked down Trey Young in his final preseason game that he played in. Um, and like he played pretty okay in the first two games. Uh, and it's like you go from that to being the third guard off the bench, just coming in cold at the end of the third quarter against the Spurs, not excusing his performance there. I do think he had a little bit of bad luck, but like the two turnovers were inexcusably bad. So yeah, you know, they were I'm really not, bad. I'm, I'm not sugarcoating that. He was bad. He was terrible. And and Fizz pulled him at the right time. Maybe shouldn't have put him in when he did, but you know he did give him a chance. And Frank pissed himself and whatever. Fizz pulled him appropriately. That's totally cool with me. What I don't get is like Smith was awful against the Spurs like absolutely terrible and like nothing about that performance warranted another chance to like to me yeah if to me the obvious move given especially like in how the game opened up like you're talking about the fact that we couldn't contain any dribble penetration or you know we weren't re like there was nobody like kind of understanding hey look when the nets swing the ball like did they always run this fucking dribble handoff action mm-hmm. and then they open up Shooters. the yeah and then they yep. open up the entire other side of the floor for somebody to come off a screen on a curl right into the lane right they like over they make you overplay the strong side to open up to like basically lift the defense and open up the weak side and they they do this constantly and it's like you need somebody out there who recognizes that and we didn't at all and it's like to me watching that there's no nothing about what was happening in that first quarter to be like oh you know what we need right now is Dennis Smith Jr. Like, no, that isn't what we needed. And uh, like the the more inexcusable thing to me is like, all right, fine, fuck it. Maybe he thought maybe Dennis killed it in practice or something. I have no fucking idea. You know, maybe he looked really, really good. And that's why he wanted to give him another chance today. Like, it was very obvious by the end of the first quarter. That was like a three minute stint. He, that Dennis was he was nowhere. He was fucking may as well not have been on the court. I wish he had not been on the court. Uh, would have been better off playing four and five, to be honest. And like to come out of that in between the first, to come out at the start of the second quarter with the same fucking lineup in there is, yeah, that it, was, it, that's it inexcusable. Really that's, and yeah. that's the shit that like that, that, so they immediately went on a five Oh run. Like I know games don't work like this, but we lost the game by four. Okay. Yeah. Like, like, these little I, and I wrote this in my recap whenever it gets posted, but like those little things, he did the same thing against the Spurs and he did. A, he did this a lot last year where it's like, I am fine with giving a lineup, even if it sucks. I understand. Maybe you just want to take a look at something. I'm fine with giving it a leash, but there needs to be an extent. And like the extent had been played out it had been played out at the end of the first quarter. We didn't need to see any more of that. And it was very obvious that if we did see more of it, they were going to wipe us out. Like they yeah. were gonna immediately going to run and like he's done this consistently going back to last year where he does not make like he, he gives it's weird. Like he gives like certain lineups, no leash, but then he'll give other lineups like way too much leash, way too much rope. And it was just it was inexcusable. I, I can't I tweeted it in the game, but it was like that. That that to me is like the Fizdale special. It is. It's it's like that's the most on brand David Fizdale thing I can say about his time as head coach is is. He'll do this sometimes where he'll call a timeout when, a, when a, a lineup is all ass. And then you'll come out of the timeout and it's the same lineup. And it's like, what are like, what are you watching? What the fuck are you doing, man? Like you I just I don't know. Maybe it's maybe I'm being too judgmental because I view some of these lineups and I'm like, clearly this has no chance of working. 
So like maybe he thinks that they, they can work, which is even more concerning to me. But I don't know. I, I, I found that to be more disturbing than even the decision to play Dennis Smith. I and actually did the same thing in the second half where there was a lineup in the first half. We played with Portis at center that just got totally lit up. And then he went back to it in the second half and they also got lit up. And then he was like, oh, shit, I guess maybe I should put Todd Gibson on the floor instead. Like, yeah, no shit, buddy. Like, yeah, maybe you should put Todd Gibson on the floor. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, so you guys both know um, the listeners don't know, probably don't know this, but I get as far as um, most Knicks fans are concerned, I would probably be considered something of a Fizdale defender. You're I'm not like really a Fizdale's son. fan. Yeah, you're yeah, no, I'm not. I'm really not, though. It's just that you're like everyone gets like worked like up in this frenzy and I'm just like sitting there like, guys, can we calm down a little? But I actually I agree with you completely. I think that that was I I thought you were about to go off the fucking rails, <laughs> but that was that was perfectly reasonable. I completely agree with you. I think he made a huge mistake by playing Dennis at all, uh, and that's all there is to it. Now where where I think I did, and especially on that timeout, you're absolutely right. I let you come out of the quarter and he's still out there, or the timeout, whatever the hell it was. That was ridiculous and stupid, and everyone knew that watching the game, and it played I, out off, that way. off the top of my and head. That cost I think the I, game. Off the top of my head, I think that was it was Dennis Smith, Zoe, Knox, Portis, Portis and either Morris or Randall. I think pretty sure it was Randall. I'm almost 100 percent sure it's Randall. So it's like you're literally trotting out five minus defenders. Yep. And not, and, not and just like and regular like, minus defenders, like really bad defenders. Yeah. And, and the other thing is like your best ball mover in that lineup is Knox. Like. You spent the entire preseason talking about how the focus of this team is defense and ball movement and ball movement. And that from your point guards, you want point guards that are good at the point of attack defensively and get the team organized offensively. Like none of that is played out in that lineup. <laughs> Sorry to interrupt you, Zach. But, you no, know, that's OK. Um, I, I agree. Some of the lineup. I mean, the lineup stuff is so tricky. I, I don't like getting into lineups this early in the season. It's not just because it's just the nature of it, right? It's like the sample size. We know they're trying shit out. They don't know how to play with each other yet. It's tricky. That's I, I, I get where you're coming from. What I, what I, the trick, the tricky part here is Frank, because I think if we look at it objectively, like let's take a step back. I, all three of us are Frank fans. We all want Frank to succeed. We all think Frank is going to be a good player, but Let's take a step back and look at his output in the NBA this season. It's been uh, – he had an okay preseason. Um, didn't do anything on offense. It looks like more of the same on offense. Uh, I, you could you could point up France, which is legitimate. Um, but when he's been in the NBA, which is a different atmosphere, it hasn't really worked at all. So when you look at what he did in the Spurs game, it was fucking horrible. I, we can all agree on that. Like those two turnovers were ridiculous. So when you're looking at it from its perspective of, and, and this is the difference, right? It's not so much who is the best, but who earned it? Because that's what Fizz has been saying, right? You earn it. No one has earned that backup point guard job. So when I expected to see Frank in the second half, which I did, they put RJ in there instead. When that rotate, when they had to uh, take out Alfred, they put in RJ a point guard, and that shit worked. And that I think is the key right there. It's not that it's not it's that both of them suck right now. They both suck. Now Dennis has been way worse. And I would hope that they play Frank tonight. I need them to play Frank tonight because 
they're relying way too much on RJ at the moment. I can, I get it for one. His game. workload is fucking. Yeah, nuts. this is crazy. Like you're treating him like Kawhi Leonard. Like no joke. He's guarding the point of attack, and he's your primary initiator. Even Kawhi isn't the fucking primary initiator. No, he's not. You know, uh, so he's and you're like asking he's to be playing like thirty and Kawhi exactly. And it's like, <laughs> give me a fucking dude. You have to play Frank tonight. That's where I'll leave that. Like I I get it for last night. No, Frank was terrible okay. against the Spurs. You want RJ to run the point. It worked great. Uh, okay, I'm with that. But you can, that is not tenable long term. You can't start RJ and then have him be the backup point guard also. No, like, no I'm sorry. Like This is where I, I actually have to go off the fucking rails. Because what is like inexcusable to me is the first preseason game against Washington, the best, the best lineup we played had Frank, it had RJ, it had Knox, it had... Uh, Ellington and it had Taj, right? Mm-hmm. That was the best lineup. And they like literally took a tie game and made it like back to a 15 point lead um, in a quarter in under a quarter. It was like in seven minutes that that lineup hasn't seen the light of fucking day since. So like, are we looking at lineup data? Do we, is he looking at the fucking games? I, I don't understand. Like if you're exper- you experiment to find shit that works, correct? So like when you find shit that works, you shouldn't be like, Okay, let's 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 hold this off and then we'll come back to it six games from now. No, no, no. You found something that works, maybe. You found something that works, maybe. Play it the next game, play it the game out. Like, see if it works consistently. You don't find shit out. Like, like for example, RJ yesterday in his lead, like when he was the primary ball handler, those minutes actually worked yesterday. They they actually worked yesterday. Now, the larger sample through preseason and the first game indicate that they didn't work. So now you have a larger data set that shows you, okay, maybe against teams that actually have decent point of attack defenders, this isn't a lineup that's feasible. But when you play the you know booty juice nets who have no good point of attack defender, this is something that you can go to. That is what that's telling me. I know nothing about what that lineup that did well against Washington. I, I don't really know anything about it at this point because we never used it again. And I don't understand. Like that is inexcusable to me. Meanwhile, you're fucking putting out Dennis Smith Jr. in line. Like I can't even fathom it because the one lineup Dennis Smith Jr. actually did have success with in preseason. We haven't seen that lineup again since like you. I don't understand. What are we doing? Like why? It just seems like he's so focused on RJ and I get that to an extent, but it's like, it's like a very singular focus and it's weird because if if that is the singular focus, then you almost would definitely want Frank to play more than Dennis Smith. And I don't know. I, I, I maybe again, I, I maybe I'm a Frank apologist. I'm sure I'm a Frank apologist, but like, I just don't see what Dennis Smith is doing right now to, to be ahead. And sure, I guess it's only been two games, but like, you know, these games still count. They're, they're actual regular season games. And I just don't know, like, what... This is like going back to last year, even, where, like, I, he would find something that was good with Frank, and then it would immediately change. And, like, I don't know. Maybe he just doesn't value Frank as, like, a contributor, which, okay, fair enough, I guess. But, like, you know... Your other point guard options here, if your best point guard option is R.J. Barrett, like, you know, maybe give the kid a chance instead of just rolling out Dennis Smith Jr. Yeah. And all no, I've been asking for since preseason, I said it on last week's pod, like, 
I think Frank should just be the backup point guard. I actually don't give a shit if he's starting. I don't want him to start, to be completely honest with you. Um, I think he seems more comfortable as a backup point. And I think he, that's been the case going back to his rookie season, um, which is fine. Like, Marcus Smart comes off the bench for the Celtics and everybody sucks his dick and acts like they're amazing. So, um, you know, I don't think it's a problem if you have a good combo guard that you draft in the lottery. That's It's not like we drafted him top three. Um, you know, eighth pick overall. If you get a solid rotation player to that, most of the time that's like a, you know, that's a pretty solid hit to have. Um, and it's an asset, whatever you can move him later, blah, blah, blah. But like, I don't, I don't know. I just think that we're kind of wasting opportunities. Um, again, granted it's very early in the season, but we're wasting opportunities to potentially, uh, develop him in a, in a role that's, suitable perhaps to what he does bring to the table well here's the thing he already is a rotation player just by the fact that he plays elite defense and that's the part that's just really frustrating when you're kind of watching this game is that they needed defense and they didn't and like they didn't adjust the lineups in order to play defense and in order to shut someone down so even if you want to have Barrett bring up the ball and be the primary initiator, that's fine. So you have someone like Frank who can also pass, do a little creation and do these things as well. Like he doesn't have to be on the ball. He can also play a little bit off in a certain way that you want him to, if you want Barrett to run some things. I think that's just more of like the frustrating thing. It's just more of like if Barrett wasn't like playing defense, like that would be a huge issue. The idea that he's just not even valuing. Well, and, and also, and also just like, tie back in to what Zach was saying like you know RJ Barrett is being like it's not yeah it worked last night okay that it worked last night it's not gonna work the whole season well it's not even that it's not gonna work even if it works like you're going to run him into the ground giving him this workload so like it behooves you to at least try to like try him out with another ball handler and he, he didn't even – I don't even think he tried him last night with Dennis Smith Jr. And no, he didn't. He, didn't he tried know. him with Zoe basically, but like again, Zoe, Zoe wasn't running point, right? So He did briefly, but not with RJ. Right, not with RJ. What I'm saying is if, if all the minutes RJ is going to play, he's playing point like or even half of the minutes, it, it's just too much. It's too much, especially if you're going to play him 35 plus a night. You know, you have to find a better balance. And then on the first night of a back-to-back, like, look, Fizdale can say he was 19. He never got tired of nine. You weren't playing NBA basketball at 19, man. You weren't playing against grown-ass men when you were 19. You were at fucking San Diego State or wherever the fuck you went to school, backup point guard off the bench. Nobody gives a shit about your basketball experience <laughs> at age 19 compared to R.J. Barrett, who's playing against literally the top, the in the, the highest level you can be playing. He's playing at the highest level you can possibly be playing in his profession. So I don't really give a shit what the fuck you were doing at age 19 because it's not comparable. You know, give me a break. Well, another thing that's also with the idea of like point RJ as well is that they're not in the second half. They finally mixed it up and they started running things that were either off horns. screen. They were running horns, horns, doing, horns, like run some, more horns, right? Some basic stuff. The idea of like setting screens and moving off the ball slipping generates better offense. Like they, they were doing very basic NBA stuff in the second half. But in the first half, they were running way too many of these ISO post ups for Randall and Morris. And that's when the idea of getting a point guard in to start calling some plays, running different actions, mixing things up, getting people involved. And that's where RJ that's 
is that really his role? Yeah, he's that's you're putting a lot of pressure on him to kind of he be was like doing that yesterday, though. I mean, he Someone was who doing organized that those three Ellington threes. Yeah, that, that was, was RJ. Oh, well, yeah. The way, no. By like, the way, just for the record, I just want to I want you guys to know that I'm a loser and I counted this during the game. Four of our turnovers yesterday were on post entries. Four. Really? On fucking post entries. Oh, God. Yeah, that's when like a point guard is kind of important <laughs> like yeah idea. but frank dude frank is not good at that in his own right well no, he, <laughs> no the problem the problem with frank is he's actually good at it but he telegraphs it yeah so like well, because he he doesn't score that's the whole thing with him it's been things from the look, beginning i know looking, exactly so it's like annoying. dude you need to shoot so that someone will at least respect you a little bit make an entry Yes, if you are overplaying the entry pass, you need to go to the hoop or shoot the ball. You have to. Okay, There's well, no this, way around it. Okay, well, this kind of brings up actually a larger issue. Like, I'm, I'm not going to disagree with you guys because you're absolutely right. The problem is the team shouldn't be running these post-ups. That's oh, kind of the, fun, that's well, the fundamental well, issue uh-huh. with it. The idea, like, the way post-ups have kind of evolved is that you use it mainly to like pass and run other actions out of it or using it for mismatches when you actually have deep post position the way the knicks are running it is through the mid post and you have randall and morris i I have to look at the numbers and i probably will a little later in something but like they're not post up players in the way that they should be like morris should be more of like randall's a fucking turnover waiting to happen in the post exactly so like randall should be morris is just he thinks he's mellow he thinks he's fucking mellow when he gets the ball in the post and it's absurd like no i I don't care about I don't I don't even need to look at the number. I don't give a fuck what the numbers are because I have eyes and I know for a fact that neither of those players should be like if you need to post them every now and then and they have a mismatch. That's great. I'm cool with that. If you're using that as they were that was literally like those were our primary actions. In the first half, for most of the first half. Okay, and it's also the primary thing in the Spurs game too. Yeah, like those are our primary. Yeah, but it, it, it did work in the Spurs game. Yeah, no, that's, that's no, it what, didn't. No, it didn't. Dude, what worked? What worked in the post? Randall was worked, cooking them. They were no, doubling no, no. Randall. Randall, look, go look at Randall's highlights again. Look at how many of his buckets came out of straight post-ups. Not many. He was eating in transition. No, but it, but they were they were showing him respect. They were giving him the ball in the block because they were sending a double. Yeah, but he's not good at reading the double. So like what I know, like, I know, but if you're getting a double, like that's an easy way to loosen up the defense. You know what I mean? If you're getting the ball that now Randall sucked tonight. But Mello, we were Mello, talking Mello, about this Mello before. They doubled all the time. But are they are they I mean that was the entire 2012-13 season. Yeah, they're all this, getting doubled, they, kicking the ball out. Oh, so here's the thing. Are you that doubling? Works. Are you are you doubling Randall because you're so terrified of his one on one post game? Or are you doubling Randall because you're like, this motherfucker isn't passing the ball? I think, well, I think it's probably a little bit of both. No, I don't think I it's both. I think it's, it's, I definitely think it's definitely more of the latter. It's the idea of. But he didn't I, turn the ball over against San Antonio. But no, no. Well, again, I, I, I go watch that game again. Watch how many times he's like fumbling the ball and just happened to not turn it over. Like, I don't know. I feel like I can. Tr- uh, what, what do you think he is then? I don't think he's, he's a, a base up player. player. No, he's, he's a down. Like, you need to get that guy. You need to run him in motion actions, like and play yeah, him open court. Not, I agree like, with that, but that's not that doesn't really explain putting up twenty one points per game on sixty three percent true no, shooting. Because, you know okay, well, he so, wasn't a primary action guy, right? So like, yeah, not, he was coming off screens no, and but, he also ran a lot of pick and roll too. Like right. he was the guy setting the screens and he then getting downhill. Yeah, which that. I agree you should be doing more of, but I think there's a problem inherent with this roster, and you saw this a lot yesterday in the Nets game. There's no shooting. They go under every ball screen. When Alfred Payton is their pick and roll ball handler, they are going under on him so fucking hard that there's nowhere to roll. 
there's the ball handler is not going to shoot it. Who's going to do that instead? So I think Frank? the other the other, the other low key problem here is that none of our bigs other than Taj even try to make contact. Yeah, I, oh, I agree. I agree. Like I, it was it was actually really funny. <laughs> and this is I, see, like I don't know how much of this lies on coaching. I would like to think a large part of it because I was like we were running basically a lot of the same staggers that the Nets were running for like Joe Harris and Lavert and Dinwiddie and whoever the fuck, you know, they were like, we were running a lot of the same stuff for you know, whatever, like RJ or same, like our perimeter players. Right. And it is insane. The difference of like how much separation they were able to generate on those versus us. And it's just because like, it's not like they have these monster screen setters either. Right. Like other than DJ, who the fuck on that team are you like, Oh man, I don't want to run to that guy. Not nobody. Um, but like they actually make contact on their screens and that creates a bit of separation. Whereas like, I mean, watching some of like, I, I don't know if I've seen Randall Portis, Mitch or uh, Morris make contact on a single screen. It's like, there's literally, there's literally slipping every single one. And it's like, yes, to so to some extent, I definitely have sympathy for fizz in that sense. But like at the same time, isn't that, part of coaching like isn't yeah. that like to me that's an intention this that's is an, that's an attention to detail yeah this is a tough one to say because it's like yeah, I agree. Uh, at some tough. point it's, it's like uh, okay on the one hand yeah if you're a coach you'd think they're all over this right but at the same time like do we really believe they're not all over this like honestly i kind of uh, yeah i find that really hard to believe and and the fact is like a lot of these guys are vets man I, I don't know, man. And and Mitch, I know this has been a point of emphasis for them. They've talked about this last year. He still doesn't contact on screens. He doesn't make contact on screens. And by the way, by the way, I'm sorry uh, to get off a little off track here. Pay attention to Mitch on offense a little more. He doesn't know where to go. No, he There's doesn't. a lot of times where guys are pointing him like, dude, what are you doing here? Go over there. You're supposed to be over there. He doesn't know what he's doing. And it's a little concerning. Oh, shoot. Hold on one second. I don't know what that is. <laughs> it sounds like an okay. oracle. Yeah, I'm going to mute myself. I'll be right back. Jesus um, Christ, this fucking guy. Uh, yeah, I I don't know. I I I, I do. Yes, I agree. Mitch doesn't, doesn't really know what he's doing. But, like, again, that is indicative that seems, of coaching. To I think that seems more of a coaching thing because, I mean, yeah. I guess Last year, I didn't notice that being a problem where, like, he didn't know where to be on offense. I thought he yeah. generally didn't know where to be, especially as the year went on. So now, okay, maybe, you know, and like, maybe it's just a, a matter of, like, yes, he's raw. And also, like, he is kind of, you know, there's a lot of new guys that need the ball a lot. So he's kind of figuring out, like, when should I be screening on ball? When should I, like, clear out into the dunker spot and stuff like that? Like, I, I'm fine with that. I don't, I'm not going to put that necessarily on the coaches. And at the same time, I'm not going to necessarily like, I don't, I don't, I'm just, I think it's maybe like a, a growing process type of thing. Um, I guess, like, I guess like I, the, I, the, one, the stuff that's inexcusable to me is, and I even tweeted about this yesterday. So like they said, I think Mitch or maybe Randall, I don't remember who it was. Somebody sets a high screen for um, RJ. Okay. So he's driving left. It's a, it's literally just a high screen from the top of the key, right? So mm -hmm. basically, like, a, if you're doing that, it's got to be spread, pick and roll, right? Like, no, nobody yeah, clocking the paint. Mm -hmm. And so he's driving left, and for no fucking reason, Morris is just there. He's just there, yeah. he, like right in the driving lane, getting getting set up for a post up, like, and 
that is bonkers to me because that is that is coaching and that is attention and detail. That should be coach. That shit never happened last year with Morris in Boston. Never happened because because so, yeah. he would just know that that's not part of the offense to run a fucking post up for Morris. Um, that's inexcusable. And this is something I noticed a bunch last year too with Vonley. So that is that it's like I'm now seeing it two years in a row with different guys. Cantor did it a bunch last year though too, but I think Cantor was you know. I mean, Cantor's Cantor. I mean, he Cantor just, clearly was breaking plays to like get his numbers up. Yeah, we know that. So I I don't necessarily know know how much to put on Fizdale. I tend to give him the benefit of the doubt in that he, situation. Fizdale will get but, the benefit but, out for Cantor because Cantor's yeah. the worst. But the Vonley stuff last year was infuriating, and then Morris this year, like, and it's not just Morris. I've seen that with Randall too a few times. Like, it's like these guys need to know there are situations where you need to spread the spread the floor, and like it's not necessarily just so that. Like, obviously, if Randall is facing out to the corner, they're not really respecting that, right? But it gives the RJ or whoever the, pen, the the ball handler is an easy kickout pass. And, like, Randall last year was actually a pretty decent catch-and-shoot three-point shooter when he pulled the trigger. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's not a terrible shot for him. So, like, if you can create that, especially as, like, a late clock kind of just really basic fail-safe type of play, that's fine. That's good. Like, you should do that. What you cannot have is a situation where a player's driving and there's the role man's man is obviously already in the paint, but then there's also another defender because you have a guy coming in and posting. Up. Out. It's like the only other player that should ever be, should ever be in, in the paint in that situation is somebody hanging out in the dunker spot. And that's it. Like that's the only other situation. And this is why I think I'm leaning more towards coaching with some of these things. Even the idea of, if we're going to say Mitch doesn't know what he's doing on offense, which is pretty fair to say he doesn't really know what he's doing on offense, then the goal should probably be is that when he's in, they should be doing different actions that simplify things and make things easier for him and for everyone involved, right? Like Didn't Mitch, just be running horns with him and Randall like constantly. That's what. Well, that's kind of what I'm getting at is the idea of something as simple as okay, if you just like Mitch doesn't really know too much. Okay, set up in horns or set up in high screen roll because you have two players in Mitch and Randall that were both in like the high 90th percentile in pick and roll um, as efficiency last year as, as the big man, right? Mitch was in like the 98th percentile. Randall was in like the 91st or something like that. Right. So you look at something as someone basic as that. So yeah, the Knicks don't really have anyone who could pull the trigger on a, like a pull up three and there's people are just going to go under the screens. I mean, that's relatively fine in the sense that like, if that's going to happen, if RJ or Trier or even Peyton or even like Frank are at least like taking those threes when they're going under to me, that's not that bad. Right. Just as simple, as simple as that. It just Fisdale and the coaching staff are not doing all these different things that actually highlight the strengths and abilities of the team. Right yeah, now, because I mean, we're they're running post ups for Randall, and we just kind of it it's is especially it's a, it's especially bananas because the best we've looked. I remember the Pelicans game, the final game of preseason, we ran a ton of like horns and way yep. more, way more of like double screens at the top of the key or just simple high pick and roll. Like you saw a lot more of that in that game, and in the second half against the Nets, again, like we saw all of a sudden we were like we were running horns for RJ, like we ran a bunch of horns for RJ in the second half um, and it worked. And it's like, and then obviously like once Ellington comes in, that opens up a lot of like these off ball double staggers or like Mm -hmm. floppy, like it opens up all these actions. And I just find it so, it's just so frustrating that like Fizdale clearly has this stuff in his playbook, right? 
Like he yeah. obviously has this stuff, but for some reason we are not going to it except in very like, in like pressure very situations. inconsistently, very, very inconsistently we're going to it. And it's like, okay. So, so to some extent, maybe you can say you can maybe even blame the players for like not recognizing what's working and calling stupid plays and like whatever. But you know, Fisdale is the coach. He has timeouts. He presumably talks to his players during timeouts and gives them instructions. Like it doesn't seem like that hard of a, Hey, look, you shot at the game with like four straight post-ups or something that suck, you know, call a timeout. Be like, Hey, look, like let's run some horns here. Let's run, you know, if, if you need to call a play every time down, then fucking call a play every time down. You know, like I'm, I'm all about giving your team a leash and giving players freedom. But like if the freedom is yielding just stupid post-ups and, top of the key isos for Marcus Morris to do whatever the hell he wants to do, you know, maybe call out more plays. That's all I'm saying. Oh, I'm in complete agreement. That's why I'm leading a lot more towards coaching than necessarily the players on these sort of situations. Cause it's like, it's definitely, you can definitely put some blame on the players for not recognizing, but at the same time, like the whole point of the coaching staff is to, you know, coach and do these kind of basic things. And the Knicks should be doing this stuff that they did in the second half in the first half, like it should be a constant thing. Like the, one of the best ways to get RJ down screen is to run double those double screens. That's top of the key, right? That's a very basic way to get him downhill to the rim. Another way to do it is to come him coming off floppy and have someone passing him as he's cutting down in the middle of the lane. Like that's a great way to get players involved, easy buckets and to highlight their skills. Same thing with Randall. That's what Randall was doing. Like the Pelicans just basically swapped out or will swap out um, everything they did for Randall with Zion. Right. That's pretty much what they did. And that's why Randall was so successful last year. And now the, he's at the Knicks and they're like, all right, go post up. And that hasn't worked. I mean, I know I know Zach was saying it worked in the uh, the Spurs game. But I mean, that that can't be the foundation of an offense is someone who is that agile, that fast, that strong posting up like it doesn't really make sense to me like it just there's like a huge disconnect between what the Knicks should be doing what they do when they're being successful and then they just kind of give up on it and it's just I, at least Fisdale at least the one thing I could say is that he's definitely pulling players out faster who aren't doing yeah for sure what he deserves credit for that and like and I and I genuinely mean that like the defensive adjustments he made at halftime of both I think the Nets game and the Spurs game were like legitimately like he deserves credit for that. I just kind of wish I don't know why we start off so kind of like unprepared and unorganized defensively. Um, and I, I don't know. I, that, that's just weird to me. But he does deserve credit for the, like, yes, like you said, uh, pulling players faster and um, and yeah, making good. I think he made good adjustments in the second half. So, no, I thought he I thought he did, too. And it was just really nice to be like, all right, like, all right, RJ, you're defending the point of attack. And luckily, RJ is up for the challenge, which is just <laughs> really wonderful to see that uh, the Knicks finally have a legitimate uh, two way player. I mean, like legitimate two way player. And I wish he finished up the uh, the Nets game. I wish he was the one um, yeah. taking the final shot or something along those lines, because he was ready for it. And Dude, instead, why are you running a fucking ISO for Randall at the top of the key? Yeah, that was just I, that's, yeah, that, that was just bad. That, that to me is a perfect example of like I, not I, being aware of what was working during the game and what was happening. Like we saw Randall was struggling the entire game. He had a crappy game. He was turning the ball over. He couldn't post. He couldn't even post up Jared Allen that well, which is like even fucking Cantor would destroy Jared Allen. And the final play is like, all right, we're going to 
ISO him, they completely dropped, which is what you're supposed to do. And then he couldn't capitalize the post up. He just kind of like turned it over. It's like, yeah, it's really Arch- annoying. He, he had that. He actually had Allen beat. He had him. He did. That's the problem. Like, yeah. but he was so bad in the game that like yeah. he just kind of turned the ball. It's just one of those things to stop recognizing what's happening. It's just like he did have him beat, but still, like, that's not the play you should be doing. Like, run some hard screens and have RJ come off the ball, right? Like, something as simple as that. Get him downhill. He was the one, he was the one scoring. He's the one who helped bring the comeback back. So if you want to talk about the whole keep what you kill, I mean, I, I thought RJ was doing specifically that and they didn't give him the ball. It was it was very frustrating. By the way, I'm back. Just want to I didn't want to interrupt you guys, but I am here. <laughs> that was the exterminator. Uh, I saw a couple of roaches in the apartment, so I had to get that cleared up. Um, but, yeah, I, I was listening in kind of towards the end there. I agree with you guys. I think the last play is really interesting because it's a process versus results thing in a certain sense. But it also does – I think you're right in that Randall was off all game. So having him turn the ball over even though he won, really? I mean, he had a layup if he doesn't turn that ball over. That was a layup uh, or, or a dunk. Like that's a no question two points. But he did turn the ball over, and that's not entirely unsurprising considering the results from the rest of the game. So – I think that's a this weird middle ground. I do want to say I, I I wonder if it was designed because a lot of the time I see these guys breaking it off. Uh, Randall likes to do that. Morris does that a lot. Um, I'm actually watching a clip from Spencer right now on Twitter. Spencer Perlman uh, at SK Perlman. He's excellent. He's doing the film review right why, now. Why are you plugging him right now? We don't care about Spencer. No, dude, come on. He's good. He does my job for me. Now I don't have to rewatch all these games. And really, that's a that's a, I find it tough to to speak authoritatively on stuff like this because it's really hard to tell without rewatching, uh, particularly with these two guys who do like to go ISO. You know what I mean? These guys will break it off. I've seen it multiple times over these two games. They just break off the play and go ISO. Um, there's one play Morris was ISOing at the top of the key, and Knox was the one next to him. Who's just clapping at him like, hey, give me the ball because Randall has a mismatch on Garrett Temple down low. And if, if Knox is the one to be recognizing this and get Randall the ball for a mismatch, I think we got a problem with these uh, tendencies. You know what I mean? Well, that's uh, that comes down, I believe, more to coaching than anything else. It's just like you got to tell though, these guys. I, Morris does yes. this. He did this in Boston, too. This is just Marcus Morris. He, you know what I, I mean? mean? He was same with Randall. I mean, it wasn't really like that much in Boston. But it's it's different because he was not – uh, his role is bigger here. It's just the nature of the fact when you're going from a team that has Kyrie Irving and Al Horford and all that guys who can kind of organize that a little better than Marcus Morris can here. Marcus Morris has a bigger role and he's going to have more opportunities to be himself, which in this case is not really a good thing. Well, this is why that's why I'm saying this. That's kind of the point you're making for me is that that's why it is coaching in that sense that they have to remind him and get him on the same page. Yeah, but dude, how old is Marcus else? Morris now? This guy's like 30. There's no chance you're getting Marcus Morris to change who he is at this point. You well, know? It's not necessarily changing who he is. It's just like subduing the bad tendencies. And any good coach is able to convince guys to do that like yeah it happened a bit uh, in boston but like i know we love to shit on brad stevens because he really is super overrated but he's still a good coach and he got guys to buy in and do but morris did the same thing in boston he just had a less opportunity because the offense was more so through kyrie irving there's no kyrie irving here so that's 20 25 shots that are going to I just don't, they shouldn't start morris like let's be real i agree if, with that they should start ellington play rj at the three i don't really care play i agree 
play or or play RJ at the one. And Dude, I don't really. I, actually, I wanted to bring this up. I hope you didn't discuss this while I was gone. But I, with all these problems with the point guard position, let's say RJ continues to prove that he can run the offense at a at a, at a reasonably high level. You're not going to expect the world from him, but better than. Uh, Frank or Dennis, do you start RJ at the one and bring Alfred off the bench as the backup point guard? Yeah, and then you could also think about trading for like Bogdanovich, who doesn't want to be right. in Sacramento. Like, right. I mean, exactly. yeah, that, no, no, true. No, like, it's a, that's definitely that's a fair reasonable. Point. That's a reasonable way to go about it, and like that's fine. Which is why I'm even more like, look, like just like you. There's a way. Like Alfred played, what, he played 24 minutes last night, right? So that means essentially there's 24 other minutes for a lead ball handler. Like if you want to try point RJ out, I I feel like you can try point RJ out and Frank point Frank out at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. Like, for sure. I feel like you should just do that. And then if RJ is just so good that like, you're like, wow, we should just plan for this to be his future position. Cool. Like then, then you know what to do. And if like, if it also proves that him and Frank are a good combination, great. But now, you know, okay, we can lean on RJ as a primary ball handler. Like let's, let's now get more shooting in here. Let's get more guys that can spread the floor. And like, that's what I would do. So to me, like right now, Dennis Smith is not, he shouldn't even factor in because he's so in his own. I'm not even like, I actually don't, I still don't want to trade Dennis because I think like. It's an ultimate sell low. Yeah, Why and it's just like, it's, now? And well, it's, it's also just like, the, there's no point. Like, what are we doing? Yeah, like, if we're yeah. about developing guys, like, give him a fucking chance. But, but he's also clearly, bench him. <laughs> yeah, like, well, he's, in, he's in his own head, and he's, I don't think he's healthy. So, like, I would rest him and, like, try and build him back up slowly because he just doesn't look right right now. I, I, no, I, I think it, it, I remember last year with Fultz where it was like they kept throwing him out there for a while, and you're like, uh, yeah, all right. I think maybe, like, people got on Brett Brown for cutting that short, but it was like, that's how you protect a player because he was not he was not he was getting deeper and deeper into a funk being thrown out there and like that's what i think is happening i don't dennis like he took four shots yesterday and i don't even think he wanted to take three of those no they were and they were all shots too but that's how you know he's in his own head because in one of those plays there was a mismatch down below I, i forget if it was randall or portis but someone had a small on them and everyone like moved the everyone's pointing get them the ball and Dennis takes a 20 foot pull up and it's like, he's not, a, he's so far in his own head. He's not even recognizing these very basic things. And you know, okay. Dennis is not really known as like this great for general, but he's not the kind of guy that's going to ignore a mismatch that blatantly and take a 20 foot pull up. He's just, he's not thinking he's just in his own head. Like you said, so far that it's a, he needs to take a step back. Dude, okay, last year he no. was at least like running basic pick and rolls. Right. Like right. he was calling for like I don't he he's not he looks so uncomfortable right now on the floor and it's like it's actually it's like sad to watch him play at this yeah. current moment because it is he's like even if you don't believe in him as a player I think anybody that's being like somewhat reasonable can be like okay like he's not this bad like yeah. <laughs> well, this is like worse. This is out of the NBA type bad. Yeah, he was legitimate. I thought he was like pretty good for the Knicks. Like when he was traded for them, he was playing defense. He was causing turnovers. He was running basic plays. Like he was doing like a pretty good job. And you could sit there and be like, oh, this is the Dennis Smith that we would like to see. And just now, like if his shine, he's looking for a shot a little more. He could actually be a good, a good piece. But now he's he he can't see an NBA floor. 
Like it's just like he dropped off so much and it's really upsetting because like he's not even playing defense because he's he's more than likely hurt. But yeah, he just they just can't play him. And disaster. The the reason I'm convinced he's hurt though is like like look, he he's not a great defender or anything, but like I've seen in the last two games, DeJounte Murray and Dinwiddie just blown by him. Straight line drives, like not not yeah, like they use the screen. Yeah. It just, just straight line drives blew past him. Like that's say what you want about him. Like he is definitely lazy at times, but like his laziness usually manifests in terms of like, it's more, being to- yeah, totally clueless off the ball or just like dying on a screen and not even trying to fight over it. Like it's usually not just, Oh, this like, I'm just not even going to try and let this guy, it's not like the Derek Rose, like, just get blown by and not move thing. Yeah. Like um, he actually will compete on defense on these one-on-one situations and he does like a decent job of it. Right. So like I, he look, he just, he looks like he can't, I mean, I know that you're not a football guy, Drew, but like, it's like a, like if you're playing cornerback, right. And a wide receiver is just running at you. Like if you can't turn your hips and run with him, you're fucked. Like you're yeah. totally, and that's what it looks like to me. Like it looks like as soon as a guy gets even, like gets a shoulder, even with him, Dennis cannot turn and move his hips. No, he like, can't. That, that I've noticed. He can't. And in the Spurs game, he, when he was pulled, he had a back brace on. Like yeah. there was a timeout, like he had a back brace, you know, you know, like warehouse worker back braces where it's right. like, you know, the fat guy with the beer belly. Like the painters. Yeah, exactly. Back brace. Painters oh my God, dude. That's terrible though. Cause but, that, like, but this is, this is like where this whole, like, point guard competition everybody has to earn it and i'm gonna be on your ass and it doesn't matter if you did it last night or the three weeks before like if you don't deliver one night your place isn't safe like this is the downside of that kind of like mentality that you're instilling because you're throwing smith out there to the wolves and he definitely like isn't ready i guarantee you you smith doesn't want to be like if if he had any confidence of like or if he wasn't terrified of like i'm not even going to have a place in the team when i come back I don't think he'd be out there right now. And yeah. I, I genuinely am worried that like, like this. Oh, you're saying he wouldn't play, but he's afraid of losing his minutes. Exactly. That's what I think is. Okay. I, I genuinely well, ah, but that, uh, so that, uh, that's, that's actually, that's, let me first say that makes perfect sense. And that may very well be the case. If that's so, that's still stupid on Dennis's part. That's I agree. really fucking stupid. Like, bro, you can't fucking play right now. Well, it's there's no way around part. it. Yeah. It's really stupid on his agent's part. That's where your yeah, agent is like, too. Look, yes. like, your minutes are your minutes, but you, you're like, you're going to play yourself out of the league if you keep right. playing hurt. <laughs> exactly. Well, exactly. they did pick up his option. So like he is guaranteed another year. Yeah. But at, at, this, rate, at this rate, where's this going? <laughs> like, yeah. That's why he just needs to like, like take a step back, just figure shit out. Because I mean, we always say it for like some players, you know, like these type of Dennis Smith players, but like if he did ever figure it out, he's legitimate, like point guard in this league. Like he's a legitimate rotation player. If he just figures some shit out, it's just like, he needs to though. And I, I wish the Knicks would kind of yeah. help him out. And his agent I mean, help he's him out. probably a backup anyway, even if he doesn't get really that much better than he was really at his quote unquote peak, he's probably a backup point guard, but you know, and that, and that's okay. But man, like this, this is this is playing China type shit. Yeah, it really is, and it's really, really upsetting. And, and like, I don't think any of us were particularly like. This is coming from I think three people that were not like huge Dennis Smith fans, either when he was drafted or like when he was in Dallas. But I mean, he's the he, my thing is like I just didn't believe in his mental capacity to get to his upside. But like, 
I was never like, oh, his shot is just broke. Or like, yeah, this really came out of kind of nowhere. Yeah, this really did come out of nowhere. Yeah, I don't know what really happened because like I wasn't, I was never high on Smith in the draft because you kind of just see how these type of players usually pan out. It is mainly, and it's mainly because like they're not competing on defense and they're a little like one dimensional on offense. But when he was traded to the Knicks, he wasn't like that one dimensional because he was like he was competing on defense. He was forcing turnovers. He was passing the ball. So I'm like, oh, okay, he can actually be a player if he continues to develop at this rate. And he took a step back even beyond his uh, his issues in Dallas because his issues in Dallas were like similar to this. But this is like a whole other level and it's it's really upsetting because like he could be someone he could be a good player on like a decent I mean team. I, I thought I thought like worst case scenario he would end up being like a decent like, or solid backup guard like a terrible like, type player yeah like like at worst case scenario when he was drafted I was like okay look I, I don't think he's going to be a star but like he's like an NBA player I think he'd probably end up being a solid backup guard and it's like yeah I mean <laughs> like what Zach said it's like dude like right now he looks like he's got China all over him no it um really hurts I, I i don't like to uh i don't like to see this with uh with Any, young guys no, and anyone it just like it's it just really like crushes me it's just like i just i want them to get better unless they play for the celtics yeah unless they play for the celtics i like, fuck those <laughs> fuck those people <laughs> completely well speaking of the celtics let's um uh, let's preview a little bit of uh tonight's game um at least try to maybe make some predictions on what's going to happen i know the celtics won they beat the uh the raptors last night i think jalen brown and tatum both had like 20 like had the Randall exact... has to eat tonight he's got to yeah. eat siakam oh, yeah. destroyed them last night he was fucking yeah who would be go- who is their ostensible four for the celtics right now i haven't watched them it's like hayward is it hayward yeah. dude Randall should this is another one where I think this is kind of a game where you kind of got to go to him and post a little bit early. See how it goes. Okay, no, so it didn't like, work last night. I don't night. mind posting him, but it's like you should be like to, the way I think of it is you should run some even if the entire purpose of the action is to like Yeah. Like, get the post up. Yeah, get the post I get up. What you're saying. Run some action. Yeah, loosen the defense up yeah, a little bit. Yeah, make them completely agree. Something. And then yes. post, don't just like come down Clear, like have three guys clear out to one side. And maybe then, you get a lazy switch, you know, maybe yeah. someone just switches and all of a sudden you got Kemba on him and that wasn't what you wanted. I mean, it wasn't what you thought would happen, but all of a sudden you're like, Oh, this is free money. Okay, let's do it. No, that's what they should be doing. The idea shouldn't, the plan a shouldn't be, all right, we're going to do a weak side post up, but that's what the Knicks have done for most of this, <laughs> these past two games so far. Like that's their plan a and plan B with Morris or Randall. And I don't think that's the way to attack it. I don't think anyone on the Celtics that has the same size or strength to really defend Randall when he's downhill and they, they should be focusing have more you, on just getting him downhill and getting the, those players in the foul you, trouble. Have you looked at this box score from their game last night? No, which one? Should I look? Celtics Raptors. Well, uh, Siakam had like 39 points on like seven yeah. threes or something. Like he just like destroyed them. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. They just, lost. Hold up. Like the Celtics. <laughs> okay. The Raptors went 37 to 78 from the field. Okay. <laughs> the Celtics went 42 of 109 from the field. What? Wow. And they had, they had oh 21 off. They had 21 offensive rebounds. <laughs> and the Raptors had 23 turnovers. The Celtics. Wait, 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 wait. The Raptors had out 41 defensive rebounds, 41 defensive rebounds, and the Celtics had 21 offensive. How does this happen? What the hell? Dude, that's 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 basically what, like a 60, 23 turnovers. That's like a 33% offensive rebound rate. 
yeah. yeah, something like that. Yeah, that's fucking ridiculous. Like you're gonna win, you'll win the game. You will win the game if you do that. Right. The fact that they actually <laughs> almost lost is kind of staggering, really. That's wow. like, and, that's like and us turnovers last night. You, they had I nine mean, turnovers, sixty percent, nine turnovers. Wow. And to twenty-three for the Raptors. Like how they almost lost that game is how many possessions had, they have. They had nine you, turnovers and one hundred and nine shots. I might need to watch that game. Just yeah, no, I think I'm gonna I think I'm gonna watch that game uh, today, honestly, because it seems. <laughs> What the hell happened? <laughs> At least I'll get to watch the Akam, who is absolutely unbelievable, which Schwinn and I have been saying for, I don't know, over a year now. <laughs> yeah, he's really good. He's got a weird game to him, too. I like him. But yeah, no, you're right. Randall, Randall should feast just like Siakam feasted. Obviously, I didn't watch that game, but I guarantee no one could handle it. It's, again, the size speed combo. Now, I'm, Siakam's I'm- better, but. I'm you know, very excited to see up. RJ tonight because this is like they have like three wings that are kind of like his size ish Tatum, Hayward, mm-hmm. Jalen. I'm excited to see how he matches Did up. You the $115 million man. Uh, yes, you, the newly minted $115 Who do you put him on? Do you put him on Tatum? I'd put him on Hayward because Hayward? Hayward can handle the ball. Yeah, put him on Hayward. And who guards Tatum? Uh, no one because Tatum sucks. I think it would probably be Morris, right? And then Jalen, you put the whoever Jaylen. the point guard is. Again, who cares? Because Jalen Brown sucks. No, you like, put Randall. You put Randall on Brown. Oh right, Kem- I'm forgetting Kemba. That's all right. And, okay, and you put Alfred on Randall. Kemba. Yeah, that, yeah, might as well. Wee! Alfred on Kemba. We that could get some interesting <laughs> cross match stuff. I think uh, Barrett should guard Kemba and Brown and Tatum and Hayward. Yeah, and- this, isn't this crazy? You're already like, well, do we put Barrett on Kemba or? it's this fucking third game (laughs) bro we gotta put our guy our fucking best wing defender he's the only he's the one who's like gives a shit though like this is why i just love why i think we're just in love with barrett right now the dude gives a shit and he's like playing really hard and he's doing the things that you need to do to win game frank frank absolutely needs to play in this game just like just like i'm not forget any other argument like their wing size is like i mean they can even put smart in there as like a big point guard like you need to have, I think he just absolutely needs to play, especially because yeah, Dennis yeah. is not. I mean, we got to try that. it because otherwise you have a hole in your lineup too, yeah. where some someone's going to pop off. Either Kemba's getting a bad defender, or Hayward, or Tatum. Someone is. Or like Jesus, if you're not going to play Frank, Frank, at least throw Dot out there, man. Yeah, I know. That's weird. Is he still hurt? Like, no, do we have back. any word? He's back. No, he he's back. He played in the final preseason game. Yeah, I thought he did, but. I don't know. Maybe they were so just resting it. Maybe it didn't go well in that preseason game. I don't know. Maybe he's so got to earn it. Yeah. Maybe he's got to earn it. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, here's a: if you get RJ to play point guard eventually, that does kind of alleviate a little bit of that log jam. But look, are you going to play him over Ellington? Are you playing Dot over Ellington? Honestly, no, of course not. Ellington. Yeah. So it's like, what do you what do you do? You know, you try to get him minutes at the three. I guess you could try that. But look, then you're a, a we should, I think we should we should be playing small way more often. I think. Yeah, I would I would tend to agree, but that's like, when these the the big I mean, especially last night where you got nothing from basically any big on the roster. Portis was useless last night. He was really bad last. Really, night. everyone was useless. Gibson was okay, not great on offense, but he he did some stuff on D. And Mitch was nothing notable, and that's it. I mean, Randall was terrible. Like, what were you supposed to do with that? Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I. I- yeah. There is a way to handle that, and I think it's just kind of approaching how they approach the uh, the second half, and it's just like stop with the post-ups, just do basic stuff out of like horns, get guys coming off screens, whether it's Knox or Ellington, and just 
I don't know, just be a normal NBA team and not like back in like 1984. I think didn't we like the entire thing with, you know, why we ousted Phil, right? Is like we're running this outdated offense that like goes through the post and it's like, okay, that's, I, I always kind of found that a very reductive argument, but like, if that's, if that's the argument, then like, why are we giving Fizdale like this entire idea of like we should give Fizdale a pass because it's a whole new roster? First, forty three percent of the fucking league has a new team this year than they were on last year. So it's not like Fizdale is the one coach in the NBA that has a roster with like major upheaval. So fucking you know, give me a break with that shit. And second, like I don't think it's it's really not that hard to implement like horns. No, it's not. It's every team <laughs> runs it. It's like a basic set that like everyone runs. And it's so simple because you have you have two guys in the corner. You have everything spread out. You have two guys who can set screens and mix things up. You can have a guy who pop out and run to the rim while someone's attacking. Like you can do so much out of just horns. And the Knicks just don't do it until like, you know, they're pressed against it. And it's like, how about we set the tone of the game? with that i don't it yeah. just it boggles my mind that you know the it, weird thing is though i don't even think the offense is really so much the problem i think they lost both as both these games because of the defense they give up 64 like, points or 62 like what we seem to like only get it going when we're in like a sense of like there's like a sense of desperation yeah yeah it's like like, like i the, the I don't. I mean, we probably should like cut this at some point soon. But like, I, I think I think the the basic thing that I've noticed in these games is like, you know, we are we are actually at we're way better in transition this year. Like, genuinely good in transition. Yes. And like, we've been pretty. I'm okay with how over aggressive our defense is at times because we've been really good about generating turnovers. Yeah. Um. So like, I'm. If if the if the risk reward is there, I'm okay with like doing what we're doing. My issue is more like this is the second game now in a row, and this is you saw this in the Pelicans game at the end of preseason, also, um, and a, and at the end of the Hawks game in preseason, also. Like when there's like a flow to the game, when it's open, when there's tempo, like we, we're in it. Like we we're very competitive. We can play, I think, with most any team in the league in those situations. It's once the game slows down and you get into the grind out stuff and it's half court, like, yes, I am sympathetic to the fact that we do not have a closer. We don't have a, a ball handler that can easily score or can create at three levels. Um, like, I, I understand that as a is a, it's it's a weakness and it's hard to coach around that. But like you do have to coach around that. And I would be more sympathetic to it if we were at least trying to run sets. Um, and they just weren't yielding anything. And then we had to ISO. But the way it looks to me is like we're not even really trying to run sets. And we're just like, OK, Morris, take a turn. OK, Randall, take a turn. Mm-hmm. And like that's and like, Jesus, if you're going to do that, take a turn shit. That's when you go to Zoe. <laughs> that is when you go to Zoe. Yeah, exactly. When, and it's like I just I, that was actually the funniest thing last night because in my head I was like. I really didn't want to tweet it because I was like, fuck so. But like, I was like, I was like, oh, this is, uh, we should probably, uh, give him the ball. Yeah, clear out the side for Zoe here. Just throw that out there. Yeah, it's true. Like, if you're going to close out a game on an isolation play, even, I know Zach mentioned that it, Brandel could have broke, broke off with, even if that's the case, but like, you know, if you're going to, if you're going to run, even if you're going to run it, even if it's broken off, like, it makes sense to have, you know, Alonso, he was the most efficient player on the court last night. He was the one creating at all three levels it's 
don't know. This is why it's just really frustrating with the uh, Fizz and the coaching staff. Yeah. Do um, do you guys predict a win at all? No. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're, the safe bet is no, right? I'm a. Uh, I'm gonna go out on a limb and say the Knicks are gonna win and they're gonna crush the Celtics. Crush. Crush them oh, by four your points. Balls on the table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they're gonna crush them. This final score is gonna be 121 to 69. Knicks. Oh. Ooh. Did you oh, just want to say 69? How old are you? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's all I wanted to say. That's a 43-point oh win you're predicting. All right, man. Yep, I'm predicting a 43-point win for the – right, uh, that is on the record, and I will go back and go to this exact point where it looks like we're in hour 37. Wow. I'm going to cut that out and then post it on Twitter when <laughs> we lose by 30. I don't, <laughs> so just to make you look stupid. Yeah, they're going to win by 43 points. Uh Frank is going to shut down Kemba like he did in uh in FIBA. Uh 12-time Tatum is going to miss. He's going to oh, go over. That's a great point. You have to play Frank tonight. Yeah. I forgot about that. You got to. You got to. I mean, you have to cuz you actually made the great point Zach. Like, yeah, I get that the we're criticizing the offense a lot and it's probably slightly unwarranted cuz the offense has been relatively fine-ish, but I think a lot of it does come from defense. Like the Knicks offense gets a lot better when you're actually making stops. Offense in general is better when you're playing consistent defense, getting out in mm-hmm. transition and these sort of things, and that's why I'm big on playing Frank more compared to some of these guys because he's the one who forces turnovers. He's playing hard defense. And I, I rather that, like I'd rather just be in the games because the, the Nets have like 90 points by like the third quarter. It's like, you gotta stop somebody. Yeah. You can't do that again tonight. You cannot do that. You can't fall into that hole. Every game, both games are falling into. Right. Hole. You get into this yeah. early hole because of shitty defense. And you kind of climb out of it, but not quite. We've seen that show a million times before. I think it's a little better this season. I mean, this w- listen, at a certain point, these are two probable playoff teams on the road. Right. I, I know last last night was not really a road game, but it kind of was still. No, it was like a neutral site game. It yeah, was it was really a cool neutral atmosphere. game. Yeah, exactly. That was really cool. But, you know, you're talking it's not MSG. So it's not a home game. So we're talking about two not home games against probable playoff teams. Like it's it's not the end of the world, you know. Uh, it, it could be better. It, I would have loved if we could get a win here. And you got another probable playoff team tonight. This is real fucky, to be honest. But the Knicks are home tonight, right? Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I'm trying to go to that uh, Celtics game on uh, the first, so I can uh, yell at it as Cantor. That's like my only. Uh, oh, yeah. Oh, there's no Cantor tonight. Yeah. No, he's a, he's a coward. He's a coward oh, for not Yeah, I mean, the Knicks, the Knicks schedule here for like the first month is fucking brutal. Um, they have next after. Oh, the Bull, Bulls. Uh, Bulls yeah. But the Bulls have been, they, I mean, they did come back last night. Uh, then they got, then they're at Magic, at Celtics, Kings visit uh, next week, at yeah. Pistons, at Mavericks. Then we get the Cavaliers at home, at Bulls, Mavericks visit. Yeah, then we get Hornets, Cavs in a row. So, like, hopefully. Uh, yeah, hopefully yeah there are only a couple of. Bad teams in there. Yeah, I mean, it's it's gonna be a rough, rough uh, beginning. So, you know, I, I'm with you. I think you're not, you can't get too caught up in the wins and losses as much as how the team is competing and how they look. So, like, all I really want to see is some growth in the half. Like, if we just see some growth in the half court offense, yeah, some more, like, I I I thought Fizdale's rotations were a bit more logical yesterday. I'm like, like that if that improves those are the two things i just want to see improve better half court offense uh more balanced lineups and rotations yeah yeah sure and, and i right. think that's fair and i think he 
at least started to show that at the beginning of the year, which is which is nice. I know we hammer him a lot, but I think this comes more out of like love because I think I think I may be speaking for both of you, and I'm sorry if I am, but like we do want Fisdale to succeed. Like he seems like a guy like the players like to play for him, and that's a good thing. Just we really want him to just kind of improve and be better. This isn't like a Jeff Hornacek thing. We're like, dude, this guy fucking sucks. Get him out of here. It's just like we just want Fizz to so be better. Like it. Right? Yeah, is, is, is that fair to say? It's just like I would prefer oh, yeah. to stay on the coaching staff for a number of yeah. years. Dude, grow you with these can't guys. Just dude. keep firing guys forever. You cannot keep doing this. Yeah. No. So like, I want him to succeed. It's just it's just really frustrating. It's just like he just needs to just. Hopefully he grows this year with the uh, with the players. The so. one last thing I just want to say, I, I'm going to keep this short. Last year, I remember distinctly when I was still writing, uh, I did a bit on the Knicks offense because we heard the same shit last year, right? We were all complaining about the same thing. Like, they don't run anything, blah, 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 blah. They started breaking out more and more plays as the season went on. It was pretty slow to develop. But I remember in particular, like the Spain pick and roll, they really only implemented in like December and then they started running it a bit more. So I feel like there's an element of that. But I also I I think there's new people. What they're doing now is they're still running that Spain pick and roll with Knox because that was like his pet play last year. They love getting him downhill with that play. They're still doing it for him because, you know, he's still here. He knows it. he doesn't have to learn it again. We don't have to change everything up. So I think those two things combined, I'm going to give it a month. If it's still this bad in a month, then we can revisit this and, and really I'll have a different opinion. That's all there is to That's, that's fair. I just, the one thing I do want to see in the month is all these post-ups. I think that's the one thing I certainly don't want to see. And I'm, I'm fine still giving it time, but it's still frustrating in the moment. Schwinn, do you have anything you want to close out with before we get to uh, plugs? Uh, I, uh, I'm just going to plug my shit now, I guess. Um, okay. I did the re I did the recap for, uh, last night's game. So that should be up soon. And, um, yeah, those season previews, uh, never really got around to those. Sorry guys. (laughs) (laughs) That's me every single day. (laughs) I just never really got around to it. (laughs) Oh man. Uh, Zach, what do you, uh, do you even have anything to plug? No, uh, I have my Twitter. I can plug my Twitter. Sure, go ahead. CJ Deluzio. I went into, I almost went into like over the phone with a customer thing where I start doing phonetic. Forget that. Just look it up. Whatever. You, you'll you figure it out. That's, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, I, I appreciate that. Um, I will plug the Mitchell Robinson article that I published a couple days ago just did a bunch of charts and graphs on mitch showing how good his season was despite what zach Lowe had to write about him in his season preview it was just more of like a nice counter to uh to that a little more positive light um trying to think what else there's there to uh to plug i'm probably gonna write something for monday and i want to plug watchmen on a uh, hbo oh yeah i watched that first episode yesterday pretty awesome I- yeah, it is. It's going to be really good. We want to plug in a you know, shout out to Regina King. Um, if you're listening, you have an open invitation onto the pod whenever you want. Just just give me a call. I'm sure we'll, she'll take you we'll up on that. You never know. I mean, <laughs> I'm sure she's listening. She may be. <laughs> Gina, I hope you're listening. Um, that's it. That's all I'm going to plug. And see you guys. 